everyone. Welcome to Loving This Life podcast, hosted by yours truly, Abby Hillis, founder of ACH Events and co-founder of The Twelfth Woman, an advocacy group fighting for sexual assault survivors. This podcast is about loving the life that you live and 100% owning it and being happy with it. Each episode will include a guest or thoughts to help bring your dreams to reality, understand true commitment in life, and help turn some of your darkest days into the brightest years. So grab some coffee, some wine, or whatever tickles your fancy, and join me on this adventure of finding happiness and taking charge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 23 of the Loving This Life podcast. I am here, your host, Abby Hillis, with two absolutely lovely women. I am super excited to have them on. They're going to bring us kind of a different spin um, for this episode, talking all about our mind and therapy in general and how awesome therapy can be for really no matter what's going on in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the great. And we're also going to talk about uh, just attachment issues and how there are so many things we don't know about and education on our parents and our upbringing and how all of these things that we experience in our life cause attachment issues and have an impact on a lot of things that we do in our life. So we're going to dive into that. But first, if you guys uh, welcome Monique and Emily from The Couch Therapy. Hello, ladies. Hey, it's good to be on. So So good to have you guys. So these guys, they are licensed therapists out of Dallas. Um, They created this private practice called the Couch Therapy, and they've worked together for five years. Um, They focus on parental estrangement, self-esteem, self-worth, and adoption. And they're just so full of great information, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear about it. Thanks for having us on. It's fun to have a place to to just share and to learn. And when we met you, we were obsessed. And <laughs> I mean, we're just so excited to begin our little relationship together. Um, new little bestie here. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. Well, Emily, tell us a little bit about what you do and your life and fam and um, anything else you want to share with us. Yeah. So um, I'm Emily Moorhead. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Texas. Um, I've been in the mental health field for about 10 years, um, and I have worked in child abuse and adoption, private practice settings. Um, I am a mama to two sweet little baby boys. I have um, Baker and Winston. Um, Winston was our um, little guy who was in an infer- he was an infertility journey for us, um, and he is magic and was worth the fight. And Baker's our surprise. So oh, um, that's an spent- amazing. <laughs> I love that. Total surprise. Yeah. So it's a funny little journey how my family was even built. Um, and then I'm married. This is so cheesy, but to my high school sweetheart, he was actually my third grade boyfriend. Um, and so it's just a funny little, funny little sweet family that I have. Um, and yes, private practice. I focus with our clients specifically, um, grief and loss, infertility, adoption, um, any kind of parental estrangement and just general women's issues. Um, so Monique and I both kind of have our own little niches and, and that's mine. Awesome. Monique, tell us a little bit about your niche and your life. Okay, so I'm Monique Lee. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and similar to Emily, I've been in this field 
just about 10 years. Um, my background was working with kids and foster care, adoption, residential treatment. Um, and then I kind of switched over to adults, which for some reason, I always thought I was going to work with kids. And it kind of hit me by surprise that I enjoy working with adults. So my specialty really is working with women, depression, anxiety. I do a lot of um, like self-worth work and um, talking about relationships and boundaries. Um, and then I do trauma, like childhood trauma stuff. So um, I do not have any kids of my own, but I live with my sister and brother-in-law and my four nephews. So I live in a madhouse. Um, oh it is yeah, you do. <laughs> crazy at all times from age two to age 10. So we just, we have a blast in our house. It's loud at all times. I am originally from the Boston area. Um, so I'm a New England girl at heart through and through, um, yeah, that's me. So does that make you a Patriots fan? It does. Oh, oh so disappointing. Awesome. She's like <laughs> such a good person, though. But like she does have that as a flaw. Oh, <laughs> yes. Y'all yes. are so funny. So tell me a little quick story about how you guys came together and created this practice called the couch therapy. I'm just so intrigued. I love the name. I'm like raising my hand. Um, <laughs> So Monique is the yin to my yang Um, in basically every situation. Like she just completes me like my soul partner. Um, Sweet. And so I um, have had the bug for private practice and Monique has too. We've talked about it over the past couple years, just kind of trying to figure out when the right time in our life was. Um, We both had such similar passions and work ethic And so um, my husband was offered a job in the North Dallas area. And so I pulled Monique aside one day at work and said, want to start a private practice? Let's do it. And she said, yes. And we haven't looked back since. It's been so fun. Um, We started a private practice during COVID, which means (laughs) we are boss ladies um, because, I mean, perfect time to start a small business, right? Um, Yeah, you guys just got a badge of honor for sure. (laughs) It's like for sure a tattoo. (laughs) Yeah, we hit the ground running and we've just learned all of the life lessons in in this. Monique said the other day, she sent me a text message and she said, do you want to like do a training about how to start a small business after this? And I said, yeah, we'll title it. Don't start during COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I always talk about too, how the small business and entrepreneurship world, it's just a roller coaster as it is anyway. And then to know what that life is without COVID and to now do it in COVID, you guys, like (laughs) seriously, when I say a badge of honor, I can only imagine walking into this (laughs) and into entrepreneurship. (laughs) To say that we had rose-colored glasses is an understatement at this point. (laughs) And we're like willing to admit it. It's fine. Yes. Oh my gosh. God bless you guys. Mm -hmm. I love what you're doing. And I I mean, kudos to you for keep going and pushing through and following your your goals through all of this. I think it's awesome. Um, And I I think that's also a testament to what we're talking about today. The first thing that I kind of felt when we introduced and started talking was I just felt like you guys were so relatable and I think when people talk about therapists and going and talking to someone about their issues, 
it's one, very intimidating and two, just very, I think a lot of people have like a taboo around it or like feel like it's a, they're a failure if they have to go to therapy and you guys just make it seem just so like, let's just have a conversation (laughs) and like, we can like no issues too big. And I don't know, it's very calming and awesome. And I have a therapist here in Austin who has a very similar being and I think I know I've heard like some bad I've had a bad you know go around with a therapist in college and I hear some horror stories but it's really cool to start meeting more and more of people like you guys um, and like my therapist who are just really awesome and just want to really help guide your brain in the right direction and give you reasons as to why and tools that you need to for the reasons that you act and wh- how and why you act and all those things so I'm just so excited to dive into that with you guys Let's just kick it off. I want you guys to tell me all the things about attachment issues. Mm-hmm. I know we we had briefly talked about things that happen in our childhood and how that causes things when we're older. I know Emily, you have uh, worked with being a mother without having a mother and what that does to you psychologically. And so, um, do we want to start with that? Yeah. So I first, you know. I'm the first person to tell you that I've been in therapy for like seven years on and off. Like I just, in grad school, my program gave me this great gift and said, you can't sit on the other side of the couch if you haven't been on the couch. Um, And it's one of the reasons we picked the name for our business that we did. But really and truly, I went to therapy with the same taboos that you just talked about. And I showed up and I sat on the couch and like, told him, I was like, I'm just going to be here for six sessions. Cause that's what they told me to do. I'm really fine. Everything's really great. I don't know because things kind of were fine and things uh-huh. kind of were great. Um, and man, like 20 minutes in like curled up in a ball basically on the couch because like a space where you can just be without judgment or like preconceived notions of who you are and what you should be. And like the mold that you need to fit is the most, I mean, the biggest gift anyone's ever given me. And so, I mean, you know, I sit on that couch as much as I need to, and I love it and it feels good. I also have had a bad therapist um, as a therapist. So, I mean, it really is like, I believe in finding the right fit for you and finding the right person that fits your style. Um, I, you know, truly believe in attachment work um, for the simple reason that it changed my life just understanding my roots. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we talk about attachment, it's really the tree with the roots in the ground. Like what is triggering me right now? Like what did this feel like the first time I felt it? And just understanding where we come from and how that impacts us as the women, you know, as the humans that we are today, how our needs were responded to impacts how I respond to the needs of my child, my partner. Um, and so just understanding the basis of that is such a gift. Um, I am, you know, a person who has parental estrangement with the person that was my primary attachment figure. Mm -hmm. And so as a mom navigating what it's like to be a mom, exactly what you said, Abby, of be a mom without a mom, has been like the deepest, hardest, most beautiful work I've ever done because I feel like I'm able to give my children this gift that wasn't given to me of that secure attachment. Um, And it's simply because I understand my own faults and failures as a human that I can come to the table and try every day for that. Monique, why do you like attachment work? 
Oh gosh, I love attachment work only because I think we both come from a mindset that secure attachment is really the the true path to healing. And whether that's, you know, a parent figure, whether that's your partner, your spouse, or even just having a secure attachment relationship with a friend or a therapist, like you need that. You need someone to be able to help you build up your self-worth, honestly. And Mm. it all comes from being having someone that's attuned to you and so they can be there for you when you're distressed but they can also delight in you when you're like creative and funny um because if you don't have that you start to think like what's wrong with me you start to get this like shame piece and that's so huge so it really just it's kind of the foundation for everything that that Emily and I talk about, I mean, I would be surprised if you went through a therapy session with us and we didn't talk about attachment um, and your, you know, your caregiver history and your childhood and all of that, because it just, it really is the foundation of a lot of things. Um, not just like relationships, but helping with boundaries and helping with your own self work Um so it, it just really is important. Um, and I think we both come from a mindset of relationships in general are just so important and healthy relationships. Um, so, yeah. Preach. Yeah. I'm handing her right now. Right. I know. Literally, that's what I'm doing too. And I think it's really, it's really awesome. I, to be completely honest and blown away by secure attachment and the direct correlation to um, boundaries, because I'm like a huge proponent of boundaries because I know that there can be people on both spectrums, but I am on the spectrum of no boundaries, or at least I was. And I've talked openly on the podcast about how I've had to implement quite a few boundaries to kind of get myself to a really secure mental health place. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I've actually ever touched the like conversation of attachment and secure attachment. I think we've talked about it, maybe not and not called it that, but mm-hmm. um, this is just like such a cool thing. Can you guys dive in a little bit to? how does secure attachment work? Can you have multiple secure attachment relationships? And I'm just going to throw like five questions at you. How does that form boundaries and how do the two, how are the two related? So secure attachment is basically for our, for our babies, right? Um, I have an eight month old down the hall. It's when I have a need, you meet it and you meet it with joy, right? So Mm. it's not that I'm this like obligation, like basically I cry and and you show up for me and you keep showing up for me over and over and over again. And that's the fascinating thing about infants is that like you hear like all the time, like how many times do you meet an infant's needs in like one day? Like I could tell you today a lot. So true. Over and over and over again. And the reason that we do that is because their brains start to wire and start to understand I am worthy of my voice. When I use my voice, someone responds to me. I can ask for what I need and someone will meet that need. That Mm. instilled piece starts, I mean, weeks, days old. They start to believe in their self-worth with that attachment. So I am worthy to ask for this need and it will be met because people show up for me and people are good. The crazy thing is that a lot of us have not had that experience and it's not because someone didn't show up for us when I was eight months old, but it's because maybe when I asked for something or expressed an emotion, you scoffed at it 
Or maybe when I asked for something, sometimes you were kind and sometimes you were harsh. And so then our brains are wired to people are unpredictable. People aren't safe. For people who have really hard histories, it really could be, man, if I ask for something, I'm going to get hurt. I'm Mm. worthy of pain because I have so many needs that of course someone's going to hurt me. And so these small little things that happen over the course of our lives form our attachment style. The crazy trippy thing about attachment is that we carry it over into our kids. But the magic about attachment is that if it was wrong for you, like most of us, it was, if it didn't go right, at the end of the day, if you go to therapy or you just do your own work in recognizing those negative patterns and those negative messages that were wired into your brain, not at your fault at all, you're able to actually change that. And we call that an earned secure attachment. So I didn't have a secure attachment just because of differences in how I was raised and things that happened in my home and even my long-term relationships. But because I've done the work in therapy, I've been able to fix the attachments that went wrong for me. And I've been able to give my children that gift of showing up because I'm deep in the work of therapy every day. Because I'm actively willing to say open-handedly, I'm going to mess this up. But when I mess it up, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to say that I'm sorry. I'm going to go to you and remind you that you are worthy of that need. Mm -hmm. So it's a really cool lifelong process. And it's also terrifying. Wouldn't you say, Monique? (laughs) Uh, It's extremely terrifying. Um, I was going to add, so the piece where the boundaries come in is really when you grow up in a household that you don't have a secure attachment figure, um, or you have one caregiver that may be secure, but you have another one who is not secure. I would say like the two extremes would be you have a caregiver that just lacks all boundaries. And so you kind of, you learn that boundaries aren't really a thing. And if you have a need that you can go to anybody and anyone and just blah, like you, you, it doesn't matter who you're talking to. It doesn't matter if it's uncle Joe or if it's mom or dad, like you can go to anybody. You lack those boundaries or you could have like what Emily was saying, you could have a caregiver that didn't consistently show up and you learn that if you express a need and it's not met, why should I, even express the need like you Mm. realize that you don't have a voice and so you start to put up those walls and those boundaries because connecting with someone is super vulnerable and scary and we don't go to that place because I've learned that if I express that need or that emotion that it's met with something other than attunement compassion and Mm -hmm. joy and delight and all of those things that you would get from a secure caregiver. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, my mind is really honestly over here exploding because I'm just going through (laughs) all these things I've either talked about in therapy or I know I'm still working through. To explain a little bit of my background, I was a gymnast, a competitive gymnast, and spent most of my time at the gym, not at home. So starting in fifth grade, I didn't go to school full time until I retired from the sport because that's what we say in gymnastics. Um, I retired from the sport at 15 and a half and I like did my social studies and science at home with my, my mom every night. Um, and I would leave and I'd be there until dinner. I'd eat dinner on the way home and then I'd do my homework, go to bed, wake up, do it all over again. And then in the summer we had two a days. 
So on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we were there from eight in the morning till like three or four in the afternoon. Um, so basically I lived there is my point. And yeah, so I'm tired, like just hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then I wonder why I'm go, go, go all the time now. Mm-hmm. Like, hello. But one of the things I always felt like, and I've always joked like, oh, gymnastics raised me. My parents didn't because mm-hmm. I was, that, I just wasn't around them a ton. When I look back at a lot of the things that I work through, of course, there's like, I have four brothers and it was just a madhouse craziness of five kids. So there's things there, but a lot of like my struggle comes from being a gymnast and the things that I experienced in gymnastics. So it's interesting for me because it's less about, does it, I guess it has more to do with just who those people are in your upbringing. It's not necessarily your family. Correct. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's like, I don't know. I think there's like, from y'all's perspective, it's probably obvious, but I feel like for a lot of other people, immediately when you think about attachment and everything, I, might, I think naturally most of us go directly to our family. At least mm-hmm. I did. But then I started thinking like, no, no, it was gymnastics and all of those experiences. So it's interesting. Totally makes it's, sense to me now. Well, yeah. And I think that like if you have the opportunity to have multiple secure relationships, like that is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's good that you know, we can build those, but sometimes those multiple relationships aren't healthy. And so then it just becomes really confusing. Like if they, you do have secure parents and, and, you know, some people in your lives that aren't. And so it just becomes like a little bit unpredictable and confusing. That's so true. Absolutely. So can we talk a little bit about when we're in these healthy, secure relationships? Like what is, what does that look like? Is it the ability for people to communicate and not you know, get aggressive and intense with each other? What, what all does that kind of look like? Oh, I love this question. I think that if you're asking as like a child, it looks different than as an adult. Okay. Um, and so I, so I was raised with a really dismissive attachment style. So if you bring emotion to me, I'm going to say that you're overreacting or I'm going to completely ignore you. Um, or maybe I'm even going to play into your emotion, but I'm going to brush it off. Okay. And so it was really like emotions weren't welcome. They, and I know Monique has also kind of similar attachment <laughs> style. Yeah. Yeah. And so emotions aren't welcome here. Don't do them here. And so I remember, um, when my mom, when I was in like fifth grade, my mom was diagnosed with MS and I was like leaving the school counselor's office and the teacher told my parents that I went to the school counselor. And I remember, um, my mom said, well, why'd you need to go to the counselor? I mean, like you, you needed to cry about it in her office. Like just this downplaying of like emotions and scoffing when I was trying to find a safe place to grieve Mm. because it wasn't welcome at home. And so then I've been squashed by this experience of using my voice with dismissiveness. And so then I just can't do it anywhere. And I joke with my husband that I have a lump in my throat most of the time because it doesn't (laughs) feel safe, right? Like Mm. we, it doesn't feel safe to release that. Um, And then when it does, it feels really shameful um, because why do you have these big emotions? Why, why can't you just figure it out yourself? Why do you need to cry about things? And so you make up these stories in your head. And so as an adult, when something's crazy, it's happening and you confront that parent with that, this is crazy what's happening and it's completely ignored and dismissed, but you're a healthier adult on your own now. That's where boundaries come in, right? Right. Cause that's when you do say, no, 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 no. My voice matters. I get to have an opinion here. I get to keep myself safe and other people safe. Like this isn't okay. Um, and so that's the fascinating thing. And the hard thing about 
some of this work as adults is that sometimes, because what we learn and what we know to be true is now that we have this information, we have to do something with it. We have to take care of ourselves now. Um, but it rubs against all the old family patterns that we had. And so then some boundaries and, and relationship issues come up because now we know this thing that we can't unknow and it, we're better for it, but things are harder sometimes too. That's yeah. so interesting. I feel like the other side to that is when people who don't open up to therapy or like the idea of therapy talk about boundaries or healthy relationships or self-esteem or any of those things, I hear, I feel like I hear a lot of time like, oh, I, I'm good on that or I feel okay about that. And it's like the opposite of the people who are, you find a lot of people who are willing to like dig and say, okay, well, these caused this and I need to now set that boundary as an adult. When you guys come across these types of people, is it that there really are people that just have less, pardon my French, but shit in, in someone's life and they've just been blessed with really awesome people? Or does every single person have it? It's just a matter of figuring out what it is. Is that a crazy question? Sorry, y'all. No, that's that's a great question. question. I mean, I truly believe that there definitely are people that have less shit than than some of us. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it is what it is, right? There are some lucky (laughs) Um, ones. (laughs) There are some, but I I firmly believe that everyone has something they can work on. um, I so agree with that too. To better themselves, to better Mm -hmm. their families, to better their friendships, I mean, I just, I come from a belief that you can always improve. Um, So yes, there may be those that will come into therapy and say like, oh, I don't, I'm good on that. Just like Emily said, like, I'm good. I'm only here for a couple Mm -hmm. sessions. I just need to work on, you know, X, Y, and Z. I need to, you know, I'm super stressed out at work. Um, Please help me through these things. I need to learn some coping skills. And then we get through a few sessions and I'm like, huh where do you think that message that you're telling yourself is coming from? And then we right. talk about the attachment or we talk about like, Oh, Hey, this happened when you, I was little and you know, all of these things, we connect the dots and you get that like aha moment of, Oh my gosh, that's where that came from. Like mm-hmm. I had no idea. Um, and so it's just really cool. It's really cool to like peel apart the layers because obviously if someone's coming into the office and saying, I only want to deal with X, Y, and Z, I'm not going to come at them and say, okay, well, let's talk about just your childhood. Like we have to move slowly and peel those layers because mm-hmm. they're not ready, right? When they're ready to get there, I'm happy to explore with them. Um, I may push them a little bit to get there, but I'm not going to force anyone to work through things that they're not ready to work because the attachment piece and kind of looking at your past, like it can bring up some traumatic memories that you may have purposefully put out of your mind. Um, right. And compartmentalized some things yep. that you didn't even realize. And so that can be really hard and really scary. Um, so we never want to push people to go there, but we do want to encourage them to look deeper if they're willing. Yeah. Something that I've learned about myself in therapy are the things that I used to say of, oh, I'm a this type of person or I'm a that type of person. I've learned I'm literally the complete opposite. Mm. (laughs) Like I've always said, oh, I hate being alone. I love just being around people. I'm learning that if I don't have my alone time, ooh, that alone time is so important for a good recharge for me. So it's really interesting how you kind of like by setting boundaries and looking at things and kind of taking a step back. I feel like for me specifically, it's been 
such an exploration of like, what have I been hiding behind or what have mm-hmm. I been wanting myself to believe? Because it's, or, you know, I always have to be the person that walks into a room and lights up a room. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. If I'm not like this, like I want to be that person because I want to give people energy, but I don't have to be that person. And I don't have to always pressure myself to be that person. Anyways, getting, I could go no, on I, and on. But I think the cool thing about that though, Abby, is that like therapy generates curiosity, like what it does, right? So it leads us to asking ourselves, like, why do I feel like I am responsible for someone else's energy? Right. Or like, what about me needs to feel like I do need to be busy all the time? Like, why Mm -hmm. is that? And so it requires us to do things and think things that maybe we wouldn't have just because we stay so busy. Right. And so um, my new favorite analogy that I have to share with both of you, because I haven't told Monique this, but Glennon um, Melton, if you guys, she mm-hmm. has written Untamed, it just came out, it's so good. Um, but she wrote, or is it Glennon Doyle? She just got divorced. Um, Glennon Doyle Melton is what it used to be. One of the names has stayed. Anyhow, <laughs> she wrote this thing about the snow globe. And like, we stay so busy. So we just keep our snow globe shaken up. And so you can't see the thing in the middle when it's so busy and shaken up. But when we have to stop busyness and stare straight at the thing in the middle, we understand what that thing is. And I think that's like all of our souls. And so when you sit in therapy and you allow yourself to stop shaking that thing and look directly at something, you're able to really see things more clearly and not just be a victim of the behaviors or like the cognitive thoughts that you're having. You're able to actually try to find the root to it. I love that. I want to love that. snow globes now. And I, like, I think they're so dumb, but I think it's such a cool analogy. I also <laughs> feel like even on a day-to-day basis, that could even be related to my brain. Yeah. Like, you know, like, okay, am yeah. I a really snowy snow globe today? Or can like, am I thinking clearly? Like there's, that's, Ooh, a snow like globe that. is such a good, like, analogy object. Yeah. Either way. Oh my gosh. Love that. Yes. Talking about healthy relationships and therapy and how we learn how a lot of this stuff is very intertwined and interconnected in our lives and how we act as adults comes from something that we've experienced or saw or whatever as a child. Let's talk and shift gears a little bit and talk about self-worth and self-esteem. This is a super big passion of mine because of being a mentor and a leader to a lot of other gymnasts now and wanting to make a change in the gymnastics world and the way that gymnasts are, are perceived by their coaches. And we are not robots. We are women and young adults that need love and support and TLC. Um, hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got you guys. I'm so excited. Um, I've got some really cool episodes coming up that kind of intertwine and go like they go all with this, but in the gymnastics world. And so like, this is like, this is such perfect timing. I'm just so excited for where this is all going to go. But self-worth also comes from childhood and self-esteem comes from childhood. And we start building that as a young baby, really. And it grows very much so with us. So can you guys kind of just explain more about that? Yeah. So first of all, you have self-esteem and self-esteem is really about performance. Okay. Um, So like if I'm you know, if I can do great at this gymnastics meet, then I, I am great, right? We Mm -hmm. attach it to performance. Okay. Self-worth is about who you are as a person, 
regardless of your performance. And that's where that attachment piece comes in of like, if you're distressed, you have that caregiver coming in and meeting that need and helping you no matter what, but also delighting in you in those good times so that you feel valued as a person, no matter what you're going through, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever. Okay. Um, What's self-worth? We, so I went to this really cool course and I was so naive when I went into it because it's, it was talking about how you could help your clients, right? And so I went in thinking like, yes, this is going to be such a great training. I'm going to learn how to help my clients work through attachment stuff and working through their self-worth. Um, and I sat down and about five minutes in, I realized, holy shit, this, I have to actually go through the program myself. Like I, Mm. this is me doing the work right now in a group setting. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Like I freaked out. Like Monique's nightmare is a group setting, like working on feelings. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Because, Because similar to Emily, like I grew up in a dismissive household. And so like feelings and all of that stuff, we didn't talk about things. And so like, if you had, you know, if you had a crying spell, if you were mad or frustrated or whatever, like you were sent to your bedroom. Like yes. That was, and what does that message send to your child? It's not safe to have these big emotions. Right. You need to go to your room and deal with it by yourself. And then when you're ready, you come back out and, and move on. Right. Right. It's not talked about. And so you learn that like, oh my gosh, something's wrong with me. Kind of like Emily was talking about, like you feel these emotions and it's not safe to talk about. And you're like, something must be wrong with me. I'm feeling these emotions on like a huge level. Why am I crying? Like all of those things. And so I went through this training and it was talking about, it kind of took you through experiential exercises and things like that. Okay. Um, but basically it allows you to pull out the lies that you tell yourself about who you are and your self-worth. So you do these exercises and you fill out these questionnaires and then you have time to like process through them and you do some guided imagery stuff and it's really cool, but it walks you through like at some point in my life. So it doesn't have to be childhood. Like you could have an event, you know, in your teens or twenties or thirties or whatever that still affects your self-worth. Okay. Um, so for example, like at some point in my life, I was ignored or I was made fun of, or for us women, one of the examples was at some point in my life, my body and or weight was criticized. Mm. And then it links it to the lies that you tell yourself and So that could be like, I'm not good enough. I'm average. Um, Feelings aren't okay to to share. I have to be perfect. Like all these things Mm -hmm. and it's all intertwined and you kind of do the work to like separate the lies that you tell yourself and replace them with truths. So it, it was fascinating just to go through the difference of like, we all struggle with self worth peace, especially as women. Yeah. Um, just the pressure that we put on ourselves to be something or to be perfect or to look a certain way. Like that's all the self-worth piece right there. And in our culture, it's just magnified. It's so magnified. It's, 
it's incredible what the ability to constantly be able to push out communication and receive communication in instantaneous time, what that does to a female psyche. It's incredible. Oh, no joke. I think about all the time, like, thank God I was not a preteen teenager during this time. Like, I feel for those girls right now because I mean, can you imagine what social media is doing to them? Like it was already hard enough for us, but like social media right now and just the appearances and you have to be this or that or this or that when everything is Photoshopped and plastic surgery, but it's ridiculous. Well, and I think for me, even beyond that, it's like the false, the false reality in general of not even the influencers, but just on a day-to-day basis. Like I saw the world the parts of the world that I saw as a kid first by seeing them firsthand. I didn't get to see them, you know, through the Instagram feed of a traveler blogger person, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it puts a like preconceived notion on like what those places are like because they're seeing it through the eyes and the lens of someone else. And so I don't know, for, for me, that's like one of the biggest things I struggle with is that people especially young people don't get to see the world, you know, through their own eyes first, they see it through everyone else. And it's like such an ability to, which in a way, I think you could look at that as a really cool thing. um, And to be able to see experiences across the world. But to me, it was so, I grew so much as a human every time I got to experience a new culture or just a new way of life or, oh, I didn't even know the weather was like this in this, you know, state or country. And I was really, I never had like an expectation going into it, you know? Well, I think even like for moms right now, just like with happiness Ugh. is what I hear all the time. And I experienced it as a mom, like my first baby was born and he just cried all the time. He had reflux. He was miserable. Yes. Um, and, and I was too, like it was hard. Yes. And um, no one was talking about that. Nope. And so I would like mindlessly scroll while I was feeding him and no one was saying that their baby screamed all the time. Now I know as a mother, that they were all liars. Um, but <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. really, I'm like somebody, so I post it, like I post my kid in the yard with like chocolate on his face and like the inflatable pool that we have instead of the fancy one, like, because I don't want someone else to scroll through a feed and see the glossy. Like I, I want the mom who's baby to know that like my kid screams all the time too. And it hasn't stopped. So it's, yes. I think it's important because when we're when we're saying I'm a bad mom because this is happening, like what Monique was talking about, like that self-worth piece, it's not true. It's a lie we're telling ourselves. Yeah. Right. And it's shaming. We're shaming ourselves. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. One thing I always tell just anyone who comes to me for advice, it seems to happen a lot because I'm willing to give it and I'm a very opinionated person. <laughs> um, and so people value that in a way, but I always like tell people, the worth and the value that someone else sees starts from within you. So if your worth for yourself isn't like, you're not giving that full capacity to yourself, how do you expect someone else to? Because you're going to lead by example. Is that bad advice? Well, I think the interesting thing is that it's missing the root, right? So So I, yeah. So like, I can't believe that I'm worthy if no one has ever showed me that. Mm-hmm. So instead of the, like, you know, I think sometimes like the, the like, oh, we just need to believe this about ourselves. Well, you can't tell me to believe that it's okay to feel things because all I know to be true, except for these past years that I've done therapy is that it's not okay. 
Mm. I will tell you that it's okay though. Like I'll be like, Abby girl, <laughs> feel it, feel it, feel it. But it's hard for me. Mm. And so I think it's like that missing piece of, yes, like that is great advice. And here's what I'm going to do for you as a friend to now teach you that you are worthy of believing in yourself. Mm. I'm going to check in with you. I'm going to remind you that like you did a really hard thing and you did it well. I'm going to show up for you in these ways because then what I'm going to do is I'm going to build it in your brain, a pathway that hopefully one day will override all those negative ones that's in our brain. Oh my gosh. Mic drop. Mic (laughs) drop. That was beautiful. I don't have a mic, but I would drop it. But I mean, for real, like I I think that's what it is because like we want to just fix it for people, but we can't. Right. But we can guide them by the words and, and the actions that we provide. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. I'm speechless. That's awesome. <laughs> I, you really, you really nailed that one. That's going to be, that's going to be a quote for you, girlfriend. Uh, I love a quote. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys are just such a wealth of information. I could sit here and talk to you guys for hours on end, hours on end. And I really can't wait till I can get up to Dallas and come see you guys. I know. I'm like, I'm, I, let's continue this. I just want to yes. take you for a meal and a glass. Yes. <laughs> have, a, have a cup of coffee together. And oh my gosh, I, this was awesome. I want people to know more about you guys and to follow along with y'all's new journey and just really walking alongside women and families and I like, I feel like we're about to start like a revolution of like the self-worth woman who does it for like, instead of like women supporting women, it's like women providing self-worth for other women. Oh, mm. that would be like a dream. Uh, Monique um, will like carry the flag. It'll be so beautiful. All right, Monique, lead Let's us in it. sister. Let's but do it. I do want to tell everyone, if you guys want to follow along with Monique and Emily's story and their private practice and just learn more about what they so passionately talk about and help people with, they can be found on their website, thecouchtherapy.org, and then on Insta at the underscore couch underscore therapy. And they just love having conversations that are important to mental health, helping people kind of remove the like stigma around therapy and um, really just create more goodness in the world. Mm, that's the nicest thing you yeah. could say about us. <laughs> Thank you. Like, that was so really nice. Sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, guys. I It's kind of funny because I feel like we have to work really hard right now to connect with people virtually because you can't do it in person. And you guys, like, I've got energy, I feel like, going through, well, for me, it's a microphone, but I don't know. It's it's really cool. I mean, I want my guests to know, guys, we haven't met in person. This has all been done virtually since COVID started. And I mean, really, just one phone call, and we were, like, instant friends, yeah. all of us. I know. Like, Monique and I were like, okay, fine. She's going to work with us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I feel like you just put energy out there and when people respond to it in a great way, it's just meant to be and you make it happen. And I don't know, you guys are also really awesome and very full of uh, information that a lot of people need to hear. So I'm super excited to share what you guys um, do on a daily basis. I think it's really awesome. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for what you're doing and the message that you're spreading as well. I mean, you found us and reached out and we could not have been more grateful because I feel like our messaging just matches so well. So thank you for the work that you're doing as well. Totally. Okay. And before we end it, I always have to ask you guys, um, will each one of you guys share 
what's one thing that keeps you loving your life? Cause it's kind of the theme of the podcast. So what is it that you guys, each one of you do, um, that keeps you loving your life that you're living? Oh, I have one. Hit me with it. So I, um, recently have become obsessed with houseplants. Like never, ever did I care about a houseplant, but they're trendy. Um, (laughs) so I bought one at Trader Joe's and now I'm like buying exotic houseplants. Oh my gosh. I figured out why though. Um, there's this notion of tending in, in grief that we say okay. that you can't fix grief, but you can tend to it. And I get the greatest joy just tending to these things in my life and seeing them bloom. It's such a visual representative of that. And so I've just leaned into the fact that I'm buying weird exotic plants because it <laughs> makes me feel better about my own grief journey. Um, so that's my new, I'm loving not only that, but it also provides really healthy oxygen in your home. Things that I'm telling my husband as I continue to buy plants. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, those aren't cheap. No, they're not. Not the, not the fancy ones. Uh -uh. Okay. Monique, what's yours? Love you. Um, okay. So I think my new one, um, I have really been working. I, have been working on the self-compassion piece. So I am, I've made it a point to each night, like really work through self-compassion and journaling and just kind of digging deep, which as a dismissive person, I thought I would hate, but I really love it. It's so strange. Mm. Um, but that has been my new journey. I know it's really bizarre to me and it kind of freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> not gonna lie Monique just Um, confessed she's sitting in her feels (laughs) I know it's weird but it feels good good for you girlfriend that's awesome yeah just my my theme for 2020 that I've just I started the this year's episodes with it but I also just kind of been like sharing it with anyone and everyone is speak your truth so that's Mm -hmm. cool I feel like y'all both just kind of spoke your truth I'm all about it this is awesome well you guys have a fabulous rest of your week Thank you so much for hopping on and making this happen. Here we are. You guys, I always like to tell everyone when we're recording to kind of set the stage, but it's 9 p.m. since, you know, all three of us, even though two of us are moms, all three of us are like, when are the kids down? Uh (laughs) So you guys, I hope you enjoyed listening wherever you are in your day. And I hope that um, this episode can provide a little bit just more clarity on Um, secure attachment and having healthy relationships and having strong self-worth. And if you need help finding it, reach out to us. We're here. We're here to help. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Bye guys. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Loving This Life podcast. It is because of people like you tuning in each episode that Loving This Life has a purpose. If you like what you hear, Please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. This is how we spread the love and reach more amazing people like you. I also want to say a special thank you to Ella Reed. She so graciously shared her empowering and uplifting song, Walk On, for us to use on the podcast. And lastly, remember to wake up each day being confident with who you are, but also love yourself enough to change for the better. Peace, y'all. bigger than this one more